point is, the end result is the same. Duty calls. I have searched the world over before you. That is so cool. You guys all just have this really tight bond. Just call me the computer whisperer. He seemed so nice and normal. You don't want to come back to my place? That smell makes me nauseous. I thought it was going to be a slow night. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Can we go now? That's the one. Oh, that's so satisfying. Haven't popped a Guinness in ages. Yeah. Always going to be good. Well, welcome to Beer with Buffy, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Rex. Today on Beer with Buffy, we're going to be reviewing episode 14 of season 5, Crush. Oh, good. I did watch the right one. <laughs> one of these days, <laughs> that is not going to be a funny joke. Yeah. It's going to be I'm a, aware. It's going to be a fucking catastrophe. I'm one aware, of these days. Which is why I have a minor moment of panic every time I sit down <laughs> to watch an episode. And I'm like, okay, I got to really double check and make sure I watch the right episode because I can never fucking keep track. We have exactly two fears on this podcast. One is watching the wrong episode and then having the wrong fucking episode prepped. The other yeah. is I pause the episode for one of us to go pee and forget to restart it. Or something or catastrophically the power happens out. with the recording yeah. or something along those lines. Losing an episode, essentially. Just, you know, knocking on wood just in case. Yeah, that's not the police at the door yet. That's Rex being superstitious for me on my behalf. Yes. Because he's not superstitious. I'm not. And frankly, I stopped knocking on wood a while ago. At uh, what's what's even the point? Hasn't worked for me so far. Well, there's not likely any spirits in the wood around these parts. Yeah, the wood's pretty dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fuck a doodle doo, Rex. All right, Patreon supporters. <laughs> Figuratively and literally, we gotta thank them doodle doos for being so damn fuckable. Yes, yes, yes. Our list of executive doodle-doos, the people who make this show possible, are D. Scharringhausen. I really want to know if I'm pronouncing that right, honestly. Probably not. I think I, it's funny. I am I know I'm probably not, but <laughs> uh, Mr. Tabalicious, Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Christina, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V-Man, Pat Likes Turtles, Scarlett Choi, Janella Lindauer, Cat Naming Service Heaps... Andy Burgess, K. Fronome, Father Finistratu, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you so much. Without you, the show literally isn't possible. All right. Well, two things. We have a new iTunes review. Yes. Because people are getting the fucking message and it's glorious. And also we have a voicemail. Which one do we want to do first? Roll the dice. <laughs> What do we have, I, Vanna I, Rex? We're going to do iTunes review first. Vanna Rex? Vanna Rex. Vanna Rex. <laughs> so our newest iTunes review is from Monique425, entitled The Best Buffy Podcast. Which I like is, it when people call us that. Yeah, which is the greatest <laughs> ongoing theme in all of our reviews. Yes. I love it. Keep it up, please. They say, this is by far the best Buffy podcast I have heard. Like they always said, it's highly inappropriate, and that makes it really funny. Simple and to the point. There it yeah, is. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Thank you, Monique425. Yes, thank you Thank you so much. Maybe next time you will win the hoodie. Yes. Um, but for now, that hoodie is off the table. It is. Clubby the Seal has claimed it. Yep, we are getting that order set up 
And it's gone. So yeah. sorry, everybody else that did actually win but didn't claim it. You yes. missed out. I was about to say <laughs> something really shitty. I was about to say, sorry, everybody else. You missed out. Like, it's their fault that they lost yeah. the drawing. It's like, obviously. Okay, I'm an asshole. So we're moving on. Moving yeah. on. Um, Voicemail. Yeah. Uh, here, everybody. Listen to this voicemail that is not the Crystal River Sam Omnibus. But it is, in fact, a new person that we've never heard from before. Beep! Hi, Rex. Hi, Josh. This is uh, Dave Collin. I just wanted to thank you guys for doing your show of the five Buffy podcasts I currently listen to. You guys are my favorite. Um, and I just wanted to offer a comment about the whole Don situation. And um, I feel like everyone who watches the show and the people who wrote the show made this way too complicated. Um, and, um, that if you, uh, they just, in my mind, basically the monks did the same thing that happened in the wish where they basically just made a new, you know, basically backdated Don into Buffy's life, you know, like same way that Cordelia wished that Buffy never existed. And then we're, and once Don appeared, we're currently watching the reality where Don has always existed. Like she didn't just get created. It, I feel like every everyone, including the show, is incorrect. I know it's a bit arrogant of me to say that, but I just wanted to put it out there. Thank you for doing your show. Cool. Thanks. Hey. What, what was his name? Dave. Dave. Yeah. Dave. Thanks for calling the show. Nice to hear from you, Dave. Woot woot. Yeah, you're listening to Five Buffy podcasts. I don't think I could manage five Buffy podcasts. I know. I wouldn't know where to put them. <laughs> hey <laughs> I think I could figure out what to do with five Buffy podcasts. <laughs> I was having a real hard time not making a slut-shaming uh, joke, so I decided to <laughs> lean into it in the other direction. Giggity! <laughs> All directions. Yeah. You know, Dave, I actually really like your idea of it being an alternate reality. I'm a big fan of alternate reality storylines anyway. You know, I, I think they, well, I, d I don't want to knock your point, but they do establish it quite reasonably that it, it's not an alternate reality. But they, they really could have just chosen to do an alternate reality. It seems and, like a whole lot less work. Yeah. Um, it's just they, they Rick and Morty'd that shit instead of going through all that work to try and design a bunch of extra memories, you simply transport the people that matter into a different reality where she did have a sister. What if... Oh, oh, oh. I, I think I got it. I know why the, I know why the monks didn't do an alternate reality spell. Go on. Because Glory is trapped in this reality. Glory cannot be moved. Therefore, probably the key can't be moved from this reality either. Uh-oh. Sorry, Dave. I didn't want to contradict you, but Rex just found a canonical reason to contradict you, and I I might have to jump on boat with him with there. Yeah, sorry, Dave. Oops. I, I think that it makes it makes a bit too much sense that both Glory and the key are trapped in the reality that they're in. But we could always have an ongoing feud, so let us know how you retort to that. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear um, so no, I don't think you're arrogant. Actually, no. Okay, yes, you're you're a little arrogant, but I'm friends with Rex, so clearly <laughs> that doesn't bother me as much as it should. And uh I I'm still not hundred percent convinced. I'm I'm very 
I'm very easily swayable. I'm like a dog with <laughs> two people calling me from either side. And I'm like, huh, you, you have food, but you pet me real good. Ah, I don't know. That just reminded me. Have you happened to see last week's Tonight YouTube episode that he released of ranting about Airbud? <laughs> no. Which that that's how that movie ends, by the way. I don't know if you recall. <laughs> it, it, no. I don't recall. In a court case to see who owns the dog, the previous owner and the kid like have to like call the dog from the center. Really? Of the yeah, that's that's how- Didn't they do that in an episode of Full House too? Probably, yeah. Oh my that's like the <laughs> worst sitcom trope. That ever happened. One yeah. one of. It's up there. <laughs> it is up there. I mean, there's probably a massive list of terrible sitcom tropes, <laughs> and that one's on it. Oh, and I'm it, sure. But yeah. Hey, thanks for calling in, Dave. Do it yeah. again sometime. Thank you very much. And on to our regularly scheduled program, The Mom Synopsis. Joshua! What are you doing, Joshua? Not that it's any of your business, Mom! But I'm working out a plan to propose to the woman I love. Oh, that's wonderful, Joshua. When did you get back together with your little girlfriend? Huh? Oh, oh, no, we're not back together. It's it's someone else. Oh, I didn't know you were seeing someone else, Joshua. Yeah, neither does she. That's... <laughs> that's so exciting. I'd love to meet her, Joshua. Me too. (laughs) Okay, that's twice now, Joshua. You're scaring me. You know what? I could really use a woman's perspective here, Mom. Oh, okay. Wow, I I never thought I'd get to help my son plan his engagement. This is a dream come true, Joshua. Uh, So how did Dad propose to you? Did he tie you up in the same room as his ex-girlfriend and promise to murder her for you? Oh my god! I never told you that story, Joshua. (laughs) Well, uh... (laughs) Well, I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, huh? You must have gotten your romanticism from your father, Joshua. Here, don't forget to take some fake handcuffs with you. Uh, fake. Oh, yeah, fake. Hey, uh, can I borrow your bloodletting tools? You know, the ones you got from Grandma? (laughs) Oh, of course, honey. They've just been collecting dust since last month. Thanks, Mom. Oh, I just can't wait to eat my own grandchildren. (laughs) Okay, okay. I know you're excited, Mom. But first, I'm going to watch an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I could use the inspiration. Oh my god, this is amazing! Because in this episode, it looks like the Scoobies are just trying to get some much-needed rest and relaxation, blow off some steam, as it were. But there's trouble in paradise when a train rolls in with six dead people on it. As Buffy tries to solve this murder mystery, she's even more overwhelmed by learning from Dawn, who's making a habit of hanging out with Spike, that Spike is absolutely in love with Buffy. Buffy tries to shut him down, but is too flabbergasted to be positive later that she made things crystal clear that it can never happen. Meanwhile, Spike reunites with Drusilla, who's back in town, much to Harmony's dismay. Spike and Drusilla go hunting at the bronze, and then Spike catches Buffy searching for him in his lair. Drew knocks out Buffy, 
Spike knocks out Drew, and Spike tries to win over Buffy by offering to sacrifice his previous greatest love for her. But hell hath no fury like a Harmony scorned, because Harmony causes the distraction needed for shit to hit the fan. Drew and Harmony walk out on Spike cold turkey, Buffy wallops him across the room, and locks him out of her house. The end. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, down. And so we open on today's episode at the bronze. Damn right we do. The The new and improved and fully remodeled and repaired bronze. Goddamn right. Now with way too many lights. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice. It is way, like, this set is way brighter than the previous set. Yeah, you want places like that to be more moody. Like, and I guess that, you know, that's what they were probably going for with the original set design, but with the redesign, it's way too bright. If you get a chance to rewatch the episode and just... I won't, but I'll misguidedly take your word for it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Glad we had this chat. So yeah, Spike is dressed up like a fucking yuppie and trying... Not quite. Maybe not super... He's not super yuppie. Like, he's not wearing a, a fucking polo... Or a suit, oh, like God. he's a business student. But he's he's dressed more like Xander, really. He's dressed like a... A California normie. Right, well, he's, he's, he's dressed like Xander, but not as cartoonishly. Yeah. Like, Xander is a, the cartoonish version of his style, but he is dressed in kind of a Xander-esque style that's darker and toned down. But his clothes fit. And that's really the thing that sets him apart from Xander, because Xander's clothes are just a bit too big on him. Yeah, and they're not clown-colored. Yeah. So he's wearing this brown leather jacket that honestly seems kind of cheap, and just a normal, like, Oxford shirt, button-down, collared shirt underneath that's unbuttoned because he's got a t-shirt under it, which is pretty much how I dress Yeah, all day, every day. I just don't I need a better selection of shirts. And, oh my god, the khakis kind of got me, though. I was like, Oh, I didn't even notice I was like, the really? Khakis. You're wearing khakis, Spike. Uh, spikey, 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 spike, spike. <laughs> yeah, so the rest of the Scoobies are dancing, and Buffy is sitting there alone, and Spike comes up and sits down. And just starts chatting away like they're old friends. Trying to make conversation about the troll damage, raising prices, and how they took the flowering onion off the menu. I just might find a new place to go. And like, you know, it's a decent attempt. It was. You know, he had me going for a minute. Yeah. I was like, wow, he really is just being a down-to-earth, nice guy. Honestly. He's a real nice feller. The kind of feller you can take home to Ma and Dad. (laughs) Honestly, the biggest problem here... The kind of feller who'd mow your lawn and only ask for $4. Honestly, the, the biggest, kind of feller who'd eat your vagina. damn it. <laughs> and not even ask for a favor in return. Are you done? <laughs> not even remotely. <laughs> anyway, the problem here isn't his attempt at having conversation. It's that when Buffy is like, what the fuck are you doing? His response isn't, well, I saw you sitting alone. I have no fucking friends. So, you know, 
thought maybe I'd say hi and chat. Should I go talk to Xander? Would you like that? I'd like that. That'd be fun, actually. Yeah. He's done that before. Yeah. Why not do it again? All oh, right, because last time a fucking troll showed up and trashed the place. Yeah. Can't have that. No. No. That was clearly Xander's fault <laughs> for talking relatively kindly to Spike. Yes, totally which, Xander's fault. Which he doesn't do anymore. In fact, I think it's funny, the juxtaposition here of how Spike is trying way too hard to be nice. <laughs> Sorry, I was channeling Ed the horse. Um, Mr. You do that from time to time. Mr. Ed. <laughs> you do that from time to way time. Way too hard, <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Let's move on from that comment. <laughs> Mr. Ed, the guy that owns him, is named Wilbur. I'm aware. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't want to know what Wilbur's doing too hard, so... Don't uh, don't kink shame me. Some people like their horse porn. Some... And you know what? That is fine with some people, for them. I'm not some interested. Some people like their talking horse porn. <laughs> God <damn>. <laughs> And I might be one of them, Rex. <laughs> so why don't you tread lightly? All right? Okie doke. <laughs> anyway, juxtaposition because... Uh, Xander is trying way not too hard to walk up and be a fucking douche, but it's to Spike, so it's okay. I mean, yeah, I think from a viewer standpoint, you know, I, I can imagine a lot of people being like, oh, why is everyone being so mean to Spike? And it's like, because Spike is an evil dude, right? Like, he is a bad guy. We're not supposed to be nice to because him. Because these people are smart, and they're not falling into a sense of false security just because he started being kind of a cool guy yeah. to them. They remember what he fucking did. Yeah. And they're not idiots. I applaud that. But no, Buffy puts Spike right back on the shelf that he keeps trying to wander off from. You know, the one with the label on it that says, Use when in need, caution evil. Yes. <laughs> Which she is not shy about. That is exactly oh how my she God, labels I want, him. I want that on a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Caution, evil. Yes. Um, but yeah, nothing is a bigger red flag to me than when someone verbally tries to argue to you that you essentially owe them friendship because they did you a favor. <laughs> like, this time isn't as bad as others, but it's something Spike consistently does, and it just screams manipulation in the worst way to me. I have legitimately had somebody get mad at me because I did not want to be their friend. Oh, yeah. And, like, they they had gone out of their way to try and, like, be all nicey-nice and friendly with me and everything. And, and it was, like... Tr treated you like a fucking vending machine, didn't he? Yep. That's exactly what Spike's doing here. I had somebody do that to me while I was running a cash register at a video store. And I was working alone. This motherfucker comes in. He wants something. I forget what that wanted it for free and then he does this little get to know me act for like literally 30 seconds like yeah. so you go to school around here what's your name what kind of stuff do you do hey now that we're friends can you give me that thing i wanted earlier i was like no you fucking sociopath <laughs> i wasn't being nice back to you because i wanted to it was because i'm getting paid to See, I think this is a really good kind of representation of the closest that us men get to experience the whole fucking nice guy thing is the times when some random dude comes up to us in, in a bar 
invading our space and trying to like interject into our conversation. And then when we get like, Hey dude, leave us alone. They are like, I'm just trying to be polite. You've been so disrespectful. And like, I think that's the closest that, that cis we... white men are ever going to have to deal with. And women deal with it on a daily fucking exactly. basis. Exactly. It's fucking, I, I can't even imagine. I couldn't imagine dealing it, dealing with it more than what we already do. Yeah. Like I, Oh my God. I have on way too many occasions when we were at the bar, like nearly got into it with people just because they, <laughs> I know they fucking do that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Xander comes walking up and tells evil dead to get out of his seat. <laughs> then spike leaves in a huff. Yeah. Spills his beer. I don't know. It's actually, uh, he seems surprisingly emotional about this. Yeah. Um, I, I, by the way, hypothesized that the spilling of the beer was purely accidental. Like James Marsters accidentally did that. That's what it looked like but to it, me, but they kept it it. it. it played so well and everyone went with it so well. It was it perfect. Worked. Yeah, that is absolutely what it looked like. And Anya's like, Xander, I think you hurt his feelings. <laughs> yeah. Anya, of all people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she's learning. She's, she's starting to pick up on those kinds of cues. And then Xander's response is kind of one of my... Kind of one of my quotes of the day. Kind of, yeah. Uh, he says, and you should never hurt the feelings of a brutal killer. He said sarcastically. You know, that's actually some pretty good advice. <laughs> and it is. It kind of is. <laughs> like, but, oh, wait, I shouldn't be sarcastic about that. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. It's very much like, Xander, don't taunt the fear demon. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Is it dangerous? No. No, it's, it's just tacky. tacky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. But Xander is super proud of having enough money to buy people drinks and then notices that Spike stole his change. He specifically says that he's Payday Man. And let me tell you, <laughs> that is a great superhero. <laughs> right? I love it when I have the superpower of Payday Man. Let me buy you all drinks for I am Payday Man. It was so fucking I cheesy. Like be- I like being Payday Man, though. I know you do. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time since I felt that way. Getting from there to here. So Willow and Tara, at Buffy's prompting, argue over Willow doing any more teleportation spells because she's still having headaches and nosebleeds. Yeah. That's a problem. Don't do that. Um, you're not 11 from Stranger Things, okay? Well, she kind of is a little bit, except, you know, without the government testing childhood and full head of full head of hair. Right. Oh, Willow has a full head of hair. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just shaved her hair. Anyway, uh, so they all collectively decide to stop talking about Glory just for one fucking evening. Yes. And then Buffy spots Ben across the room. Speaking of Glory, I'd have to say there's they, Ben. This is one of those times where this type of humor actually pays off, I think, because like there's... Tara's like, okay, let we'll not discuss she who should not be named, and we'll call her. And then Buffy's like, Ben, and Tara's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it is right. It, That's clever. Yeah, I, it's I, a good joke. I'm sorry to admit that I didn't get that. It's it's very clever. Uh, that's twice now that you've picked out some rather clever jokes that I'm just missing. So, are you uh, broken? Yeah, uh, don't get me started. Do we do we need to like put some duct tape on you? And work? chicken wire, and oh, and chi- and chicken and wire. chicken. You're that explains it. You're very broken then. If you need I also just wire need too. somebody to pull my string. <laughs> well, I can't help you there. I'm not sure you want to see what's on the other end of it. Though. I, I 
really don't. <laughs> Can you just imagine? <laughs> Somebody came up to you. String sticking out of their pants. Excuse me, uh, can you do me a favor? <laughs> I need you to start my lawnmower. I think if someone's like, hey, can you pull my string? I would look at them and be like, no, I cannot. I can find someone to pull your string. I will pay somebody to pull your string. I want to know what happens. <laughs> I just don't want to be the one to do it. Now, then you have to ask, okay, are we talking lightly or chainsaw. Fucking chainsaw. <laughs> Always chainsaw. <laughs> they shouldn't have asked somebody that's not a doctor <laughs> if there was danger involved. <laughs> I'm assuming there's either anal beads <laughs> on the other end of this string or that they swallowed some tinsel. Either way, there's some poop coming out. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so anyway... Possibly some extruded Buffy anus. goes and talks to Ben <laughs> uh, to thank him for helping Dawn. Um, you can tell he is terrified that she knows something more. Yes, visibly. Uh, but, nope, she doesn't. And, you know, they start chatting and flirting. He makes some charming, witty repartee over having more outfits than just scrubs, because she's never seen him in anything but scrubs. They have a decent amount of chemistry, I think. Oh, I think so, yeah. I really want them to get together. Something tells me it's kind of doomed from the start, though. Yeah, with the whole, like, him partially being an evil god that wants to kill her and her sister. Eh, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm not saying it's a no, but it is going to be one hell of a hurdle to start a relationship. <laughs> well, this guy wants effective weapons. I've got it covered from A to Z. From axe to the other axe. I'm fairly certain I said no interruptions. Cut back to Xander arguing with Spike about uh, working hard for his money. Spike argues back that stealing <laughs> is also hard work. He's not incorrect. Spike is clearly distracted, either by Buffy no. or by Ben, probably because Buffy is talking to any man whatsoever that isn't him. No, this is actually, this is my actual quote of the day from this scene, is Spike's response to Xander. Yeah. Because uh, Xander's like, well, the point is I work very hard for it, and Spike's like, oh, you're saying I didn't work hard for it? And Xander's like, no, you stole it. And then the quote is Spike replying with, and you're making it very hard work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah that was a good one but yeah he sees ben and buffy laughing and having a gay old time and his banter session with xander kind of trails off at that point as xander's making some pathetic boring threats to this neutered killing machine psychopath which you know okay i guess i can't be too upset about it no how dare you be a douche to spike oh because he's a murderer yeah He's done He's done a murder or two. Kind of deserves it. <laughs> what did he say at the end of that conversation? I'm uh, trying to remember. Spike's last line yeah. Uh, is, yeah, like you could ever hurt me. As he's like <laughs> looking, he's looking over and seeing Buffy being all happy with someone who is not him. I think what's funny is this displays exactly how uh, second nature his retorts are. 
Right? Because he's not, he's like not even there. He's for not it, even there he... for this argument because you can just tell that's what he would have said otherwise. Yeah, like you could hurt me, except he just trails off. Oh, yeah, like you could hurt me because he just yeah. completely blank face. And then we cut away to the train station. Yeah, so there's a train station, specifically the Sunnydale train station, and uh, there's nobody getting off of this train. No. And there's a very eerie silence. Dun, dun, dun. So Mr. Train Guy, which is, you know, literally just some guy. He, he's a porter. Dressed as a train. He's a, that, that job would, he's not dressed as a train. He looks like he, a train to me. porter. Yeah. Or like, like he wants a train run on him. Huh? Huh? No, he, he's a porter. He pulls baggage off the train. All aboard! He's a porter. Yeah. Anyway, he he gets on the train to see that everyone is dead! Port that porter. Oh, right. People are dead on the train. Everyone is dead. Everyone's dead. Everyone. And bloody. And uh, he's intrigued. <laughs> um, I don't think the word is intrigued. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know. We especially can agree as, to disagree. Especially as he sees what killed them, and he... <laughs> runs away but then gets dragged back into the train and he too is murdered allegedly well presumably presumably yeah i think he's the killer uh, no we learn who the killer is later and it is not him one way or another there have been multiple murder death kills yes <laughs> opening sequence we have music for that. I paid $30 for it. Maybe I'll just start shoehorning it in <laughs> to the episode. I think it's worth it. Why not? Buffy's house. Giles, Dawn, and Joyce are at home as Buffy returns from the, the club. She returns from yeah. painting the town red. Not literally, unfortunately, but I imagine someone will right. at <laughs> least paint the town with blood at some point, which really... We, we really haven't gotten that in a while, It's going to be more of a brown burgundy when it dries, but damn it, yeah. it's going to be gloriously red while it's I mean, fresh. That's the thing with painting things with blood, is you got to keep it wet. <laughs> <laughs> it changes color when it dries. Or at least you need to keep in mind what it's going to look like when it dries. Uh, Joyce asks Buffy if she had fun, and uh, I really don't know how she's able to respond truthfully with, yeah, actually I did. Not because it's not true, because clearly she did have fun and is telling the truth, but personally, when I get home and my mom <laughs> asks me if I had fun... <laughs> I just shut down and close off reflexively, and uh, well, and my mind starts screaming, "Mind your own fucking business!" Uh, Josh, it's probably just me and people with too much childhood trauma and bad relationships with their parents. I know. Yes, yes, exactly that. Probably. Joyce is considerably less toxic of a parent than than I happen to know that yours is. Yes, probably. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, but Joyce does admit to not feeling particularly safe with Buffy not there, even though, you know, Giles is here to protect them. But even he can admit that, like, well, glory's a god, not shit I can do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Giles, very emotionally intelligent man. He is not a... He's like, no, it's fine. I'm, I couldn't take glory. <laughs> what do you mean? I'd be dead, too. <laughs> this is just volunteering to also die. No, Joyce, you're right to not feel safe with me. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm never coming over here again. You know what? I'm going to actively start being dangerous towards you just to make sure that you feel the right way. <laughs> Let's do this. Giles fan fiction. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joyce did try to backpedal and save Giles' yeah. pride uh, by lying and saying she felt better knowing he was there. But, uh, like we said, he admits uh, he's no replacement for a slayer. Uh, I bet he could really rock some leather pants, though. I mean, we've seen him as Ripper. Did he wear leather pants? I don't think he did. He had a leather jacket, but, like, he yeah. could also... He was... Yeah. Well... He basically just turned into a greaser, but greasers wear very tight jeans. So they do. Or close fitting. Anyway. Why I'm pretty sure he could rock the leather pants. I bet he could. He yeah. played Frankenfurter. Of course exactly. he could. Exactly. Um, as he's leaving, Buffy kind of stops him at the door and asks his advice about Dawn. And this is one of those moments where it's like, uh, maybe you should step outside and have this conversation and not. At the door where they're five feet away. Yeah, remember how this whole problem started <laughs> in the first place? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But Giles' advice is... They didn't want to have to light a whole different scene, and oh, I get yeah, that. Yeah, but Giles' <laughs> advice is pretty sound. You know, he says to treat Dawn like normal because, you know, that's what she fucking needs things to be. Absolutely. It made perfect sense to me. And, you know, I think the first time I heard this advice was regarding dogs. When there's a thunderstorm or something. Yeah. It's a lot of people's instincts are to cuddle the dog and go, oh, shh, it's okay, baby. It's okay. And all the dog reads is that you are acting differently while they are scared, which makes them go, oh, shit, I'm correct this is to something be to afraid. be scared about yeah. yeah so don't fucking do it just act normal do what you would normally do try to play with them or just watch yep. tv talk normally yeah and buffy takes this advice in stride <laughs> as she immediately turns around is like don! i think she she's relieved you stole my shit she's relieved actually she's <laughs> yeah. like, don where the fuck did my sweater go she's like thank god i can yell at my sister again Ugh. It's been a whole week, and I just, I'm so backed <laughs> it's up. It's been so difficult. <laughs> you need to take more fiber, Buffy. <laughs> yeah, Buffy turns to Dawn. She's like, what the fuck did you do with my blue cashmere sweater? And Dawn's like, nothing. I didn't touch your stupid sweater. And I believed her. And yeah. it's a good thing I did, because cut to Spike's lair. Where he has her sweater. Spike definitely has a blue cashmere sweater. We don't know that it's Buffy's. No, we know that it's yeah, Buffy's. Yeah, it's Buffy's. It, was, it literally had a tag that was labeled property of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, not really, but it's it's too much of a coincidence. He's a creepy stalker. He's stealing her goddamn sweaters. We've seen him do it before. Yep. And then he just huffed it right in front of, who was it, Riley? Um, Xander? 
Joyce, I fuck. Who I was it that caught him? I want to say it was. I, think. I, I think thought it was, it was Riley. Riley too. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Riley. Excuse me. I noticed you're huffing my girlfriend's clothing. <laughs> I too enjoy huffing my girlfriend's clothing. <laughs> Let's drink a beer about it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why they're not together anymore. <laughs> So, yeah, Spike's being a goddamn creeper of top-tier variety these days. Yeah. Not in a cool way like he used to be. No. It's it's really just getting creepy. And uh, I, See, I think the lesson to learn here is that it never was cool. Right. Yeah, for all you Spike worshippers out there, like us, stop it. <laughs> I love Spike as a character. Like, I think he's an exceptionally well-written, well-acted character. But right. he is a bad guy. Yeah. And you are not supposed to romanticize him exactly and like we're not supposed to like jafar either exactly from aladdin just in case nobody got that reference i'm sure you all did <laughs> um but obviously the show would suck without him what i particularly find interesting uh the guy who wrote this episode and i forget his name now but the guy who wrote this episode yeah fuck you guy who wrote this episode it, it's david something <laughs> um <laughs> But he, in the notes on the wiki, it stated that he had said in interviews that he wrote this episode because he wanted to take the Buffy Spike story arc to the next step. But also he wanted to do it in a way where it's like, hey, stop fucking shipping these two. Right. This isn't good. Yeah. This isn't okay. Yeah. Well, I think he did his job well then. Yes. Um, this, this episode definitely does that. Yeah. <laughs> Let us continue telling you why. Once upon a time, there was, um, a kitty. She was very little, and she was all alone, and nobody wanted her. Did the kitty get chosen by some nice people? Well, now you ruined the ending. Spike's huffing a sweater. And Harmony pops in, all horny, wanting to wanting Spike to come to bed. But alas, he's not in the mood. No. Nope. She suggests they play a game. This quickly devolves into role playing, and Harmony is suddenly wearing Buffy's blue cashmere sweater. Yeah. Walking around, around a steak. very poorly, pretending to be Buffy. She's like doing, you know, everybody does an impression of the crocodile hunter. That's how I felt about her impression <laughs> of Buffy. Yeah. Oi, crikey, I'm gonna get ye, you little alligator. Only it was Buffy. I've got a, a steak and I'm hunting bad vampires and they're gonna <laughs> get stabbed um, with my steak. <laughs> but that's all it takes. That's, that is doing it for Spike yeah. and he tackles the fuck out of her and i i they cut away she but uh, we know where that went <laughs> spike is not pretending to want to fuck the slayer uh it seems like not too long ago that he was in bed with harmony while fantasizing about fucking buffy uh definitely advancing the storyline also problematic di dynamic in their relationship um oh absolutely it's it's always been extremely abusive between him and harmony from the very beginning honestly i forgot that harmony was even still in the picture here yeah i mean the last few times we've seen spike harmony was nowhere to be seen. he hasn't been spending a lot of time in the tunnels that we've seen right but she doesn't normally hang out with him upstairs and yeah. that's where 
Buffy normally talks to him. So, uh, you know, she's a, she's a strong, independent woman. She's got other things to do, probably. I'm sure. Well, she can kill things, so, you know. Right? Yeah. She's out bringing home the bacon while he's out just being a fluffy little loser with a chip <laughs> in his head. Just raking in all that. I'm not going to finish that sentence. Yeah, good call. All right. <laughs> Cut to the college the next day. Where Tara, Willow, and Buffy are walking and discussing the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hey, you pronounced it correctly. I've also read the book. Cool. <laughs> I haven't. You're probably okay with that. Like, Yeah, I know I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually got a string of Christmas lights as a Christmas gift one time, but the lights had little covers that looked like the cartoon gargoyles from the Disney oh, movie. God. And I had never actually even seen the Disney movie. And I am terrible at pretending that I like gifts that I don't like. <laughs> there was a lot of strife between me and my stepmom over that kind of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after Willow and Tara finished discussing the Hunchback of Notre Dame, they asked Buffy what her opinion is. And uh, she really liked the singing gargoyles. Yes. So we don't even agree with her, but that's fine. Um, but she was just fucking around. Not really. She's just one funny bitch. No, uh, one of the things I particularly like about this scene, though, is because Willow's talking about how she feel she wishes that Quasimodo could have ended up with Esmeralda. But Tara points out, no, that isn't possible because he didn't actually love her. His love was selfish, short-sighted, and it's a complete 100% reflection of how Spike is in this episode. What? They did an analog of the episode and compared it to exactly. another classical story? Yes. Neat. That's like clever or something. It is, in fact. Also, if you've never read The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo is not the protagonist of that story. Yeah? Granted, he's not the antagonist of that story, but he's he's not a good person either. And, like, he is way, way super loyal to Frollo. Hmm. Also, Esmeralda isn't actually a gypsy. She was kidnapped by the gypsies. She was a French girl who was raised as a gypsy and is, like, 14 in, in the story and <laughs> dies at the end. Oh, my God. She's hung. Wow. Yeah. That is some classic literature for you right yeah. there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you ever thought you wanted to live in the past, no, you don't. You know, I've occasionally said, I wish I'd lived in the 70s. No, I don't. No. no. I, it almost makes me want to cut some boomers some slack to think about it, really. <laughs> almost. <Yeah. laughs> uh, that ain't happening. Anyway, Notre Dame over. Buffy snatches the newspaper out of some random asshole's hands and reads the headline. Six found murdered on a train at Sunnydale Station. Yes. Man, that wasn't a very full train. Last train I was on was fucking packed to the gills. Yeah. But hey, it happens sometimes. It's fine. Actually, the last train I was on was only a couple of people, but it was also like the latest train from Chicago to Detroit? Yeah, sometimes they're they're <laughs> packed at peak hours and then they trail off from there. And this one looked like it arrived fairly late. Well, and it had to have because it was a vampire on the train. Right, exactly. Cut to Spike's crypt. Where he's coming out of the, the hole in the ground that is below his crypt. The tunnel's hatch. To discover that Dawn is there. And he tries to tell her to go home. But then I get a quote of the day here. <laughs> and there's a little exchange. Spike yeah. says, well, you can't bloody well stay here. Why not? Because I've got things to do. 
Don does not look convinced. Bad, evil things. <laughs> and the the line goes on, but that was my quote. Bad, evil things. It was funny. Um, so honestly, her response should have been something along the lines of like, "Oh, what you got to watch Passions?" Right. Exactly. And then he he makes the mistake of calling her a child. She takes exception to that, and she points out she's not human. He quips that he used to be, but he got over it. Doesn't really matter how you started out. And Don really appreciates how he talks to her compared to everyone else. He says, well, they're just trying to keep you safe. She says, you make me feel safe. And Spike chokes on his fucking cigarette. He's like, take it back! (laughs) I'm a bad guy! (laughs) Very, very bad like, well, yeah, he is. Um. <laughs> I really enjoy the fucking play here because, like, he's constantly, like, offended when people aren't, like, afraid of him because he's not a bat, like, he's not dangerous. Right. But he's, like, he's also, like, constantly trying to, like, prove that he's a good guy to Buffy. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the entire plot of the Adams family with him until it's him trying to get with Buffy. It's been bad. a while since I've seen the Adams family. Well, the whole shtick is that bad is good. They're, you know, everything that normal society likes is inverted, and that's them. Oh, right, yeah. They're dark, gothic. Even the box description on the actual Adams family movie describes them as a family of ghouls. Oh. Which, yeah. Yeah. Ghouls. Yeah. Okay. I've always wondered, are they immortal? I, they're really just human, and they're just fucking weird. I think that that's it. They're just human and weird. But then they've got a lot of cartoonishly superhuman qualities about them that don't make any sense. But it, the whole thing's always been a very cartoonish plot. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's very Adam's Family. Even, even kind of new Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where they're like, praise Satan, and they, they literally inverted... The words heaven and hell. They literally say, what the heaven? In that show. Oh, really? It's so cheesy. But then uh, one of the biggest evil bad guys in the first couple of seasons is Satan. I'm like, I thought you worshipped him. What's the deal here? I So there's... I couldn't get into that damn show. Every time you try to do that inverted um, morality thing, you just get the Adams Family effect. And that's what we have with Spike here. I can kind of see that. Because uh, you can't keep it up. There is still very clearly... An actual good and an actual bad, and they conflict with each other. Yeah. So, Dawn explains uh, that she feels safe around him because he has superpowers, which I guess she's just referring to his super strength as a vampire. Yeah. And uh, Buffy worries about what she's going to do if Spike ever gets the chip out of his head. And Mm -hmm. Spike absolutely (laughs) loves to hear things about Buffy that are also about himself. Yes. So, he gets comfy. Yeah, and and stops trying to. Dawn is outright playing him here because she knows the deal. Oh, she picked up (laughs) a while ago that he is head over heels for Buffy, and so yeah, she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this and leverage time here, and I'm gonna get to hang out with Spike. Awesome, right? Because she's she's a tween. Yeah. Well, I guess fourteen is just the other side of tween. She's officially a teen. Yeah, I want to say. I think 13 is really the the legitimate end of tween. I'd say 10 to 13. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Like it wasn't a word I heard when I was that age, so. Mm. Trust me, I'm going to I'm going to go with 10 to 13. If anybody wants to fight me on that, bring that, it bring it on. That feels right. That sounds right. Yeah. Like Definitely. The logic tracks. Yeah, def- definitely. 
Definitely, yeah. So we cut back to Buffy's house, where Buffy's returning home from school to find Joyce worried about Dawn because Dawn is gone and didn't come home from school. And she heard the news about the train station murders. Buffy assures her it's not glory, it's just good old-fashioned other kinds of mass murderers. Yeah. Joyce is relieved because... This is a family of sociopaths. Yes. And Buffy just goes to look for her sociopath sister. <laughs> and everything's normal and good. Yeah. At least our definition of good. That's good, right? Yes. Oh, they're just sociopaths. Everything's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cut, cut to Spike's crypt. Uh, where Spike is telling Dawn a story about murder. About how he murdered a whole family. Yeah. which. I think completely qualifies this story as family friendly. <laughs> Hard air quotes. And then Buffy breaks down the door with an 11,000 pound glass jar full of sugary red dye number five, a little bit of beaver butthole flavoring, who has a habit of saying, oh yeah, when it accomplishes destruction of property. I thought we've debunked the, the beaver butthole flavoring thing. We did. That doesn't mean I can't use it in a fucking Kool-Aid man joke. Okay. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm just making sure that I remember that we did actually talk about that. Just making sure you're all getting the facts right on my Kool-Aid man jokes here, everybody. Don't get any of that mixed up now. Oh, did you actually see the thing that showed that he is the jar and not the Kool-Aid? Yes, that's where I got the 11,000 pounds from. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good. I think, I'm pretty sure it's on our uh, Facebook page. Yeah, I think I think it was in the Facebook group. I can't I, remember I, who I, shared I, it, though. I still scroll past it regularly, and it's just, it's mostly in my brain now. I'm going to look at it again, because I want to say it was 11,000 pounds is just the glass jug. Yes. <laughs> I'm not in your room. I'm in the hallway. The hallway doesn't belong to you. Mom, I can stand in the hallway, right? My friend Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. So Don wants to hear the rest of Spike's story. Yeah. Because he, before Buffy so rudely interrupted, he was just about to say something about this little girl that was hidden in a coal bin. Buffy says, sure. Okay, Don. Don, okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear the rest of this completely appropriate, 100% family-friendly story that Spike, the psychopathic, soulless murderer, (laughs) was just telling you. And Spike decides that maybe he needs to tell the Disney version of his story as well. Right, yeah. So uh, I knew the girl was in the coal bin, so I rip it open, very violent, haul her out of there, and then I give her to a good family in a nice home where they're never even mean to her and didn't lock her in a coal bin. So Dawn, the little sociopath that we've established that she is, yeah. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, No, it super does not. disappointed with this anticlimactic turn of events. In, so in her delivery of the line that she gives, you can't tell if she can tell that this was a bullshit ending. For, right? Like, like you, you honestly like, like you can't Buffy, even take a guess. Buffy didn't go for it, and she didn't even hear the rest of the story. Right. Dawn's delivery is totally like, she just thinks that's how the story ended. I think Dawn is still <laughs> a little gullible. Yeah. Well, weren't we all at that age? Especially if it's an older person that you look up to. Yeah. Honestly, I think she's perfectly well within her rights to think that Spike is an okay guy. Buffy literally left her there 
to keep her safe with her mother one time. Why wouldn't she think that Spike's cool? I mean, her having a crush on Spike is completely and totally Buffy's fault. (laughs) I mean... No, it is completely and totally Buffy's fault in that Buffy's actions towards Spike over the, the time frame that he's had that chip in his head has completely shown to her, to Dawn, that this person is just someone who can't hurt you and is safe to be around. But then they, re- when she reacts like this, because he's, while he cannot physically hurt Dawn, he's not safe to be around. Yeah. The, the problem is actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And while she constantly says that she hates Spike and constantly puts him down, she's still running to him every time she needs help. Yeah. And support of some kind. And a good example is how she fucking came here to Spike because she needed to find Dawn. Exactly. She runs in saying, Spike, I need your help. Yeah. Not Spike, where the fuck is my sister? So, yeah. Case in point. Yeah. Anyway, Spike says he was just about to send her home because she knew he knew she'd be fretting, as he says. Uh, But Buffy gives no shits and fucks off with Dawn. Cut outside to the cemetery. Yep, where Buffy is, of course, lecturing Don about he is a bad, bad man, and you should not be hanging out with him. The whole conversation just goes to Don being like, actually, I think Spike's pretty awesome, and I kind of like him. She's Well, she twirls her hair a little as yeah. she says, I don't think Spike's icky, and I was like, uh-oh, yeah. uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> and, of course, Buffy is like, What? immediately though dawn calls buffy out on having had a vampire boyfriend citing that uh yeah he had a soul spike has a chip tomato potato and i'm like sorry dawn spike might be hot but he is being kind of icky yeah Uh, not towards dawn no not towards he's being super cool towards dawn yeah that's the really the only part of Dawn that's really being handled properly. <laughs> right? This is, is her relationship with Spike. <laughs> He's like the big brother yeah. that she always needed. He's the only one that's honest to her completely. Actually, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which that makes sense as to why she would get a, a crush on him. Because, like... Absolutely. He has no... Re- like, he is forward and honest with her because he has literally no reason to play her. Yeah. He can't get anything by playing her. So therefore, there's no reason to. And she's a little firecracker. And he fucking loves that kind of interaction. He finds her amusing and entertaining. He he does. And uh, Dawn, back to her argument with Buffy, says, uh, well, she rather deftly argues that even if she did have a crush on Spike, he'd never notice because he's so in love with Buffy. (laughs) To which... Now, if this were an anime, Buffy's ghost would have just left her body. <laughs> and she might need to I'm s- out! <laughs> See ya! She might need to send out a search party for her jaw and call the bomb squad for her brain. Fuck, at this point you need a geologist for that jaw. It, it hit the floor and kept going. <laughs> kept going. <laughs> you need a fucking paleontologist. <laughs> Or a travel agent. Just go to China. Why did we find this in the Triassic period? <laughs> in a layer of sediment. Anyway. Um, yeah, bomb squad for her brain, though. I thought that was that was pretty clever. Yeah, that's good. Because her brain 
exploded. Yeah, blew her mind. Got it. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. I'm funny. I'm a funny guy. Here's a little bit of uh, liquid dribbling out of her ear because her mind's blown. Oh, yeah. It's blood. Yeah. The liquid is blood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the hammer is my penis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Cut to the train station. <laughs> yeah, the next day, Buffy and Xander are looking for clues. I would. I just want to note real quick here. This is too much whiskey. And I'm going to drink it anyway. Because I didn't think that Reed's ginger beer could really make Jameson that much better. But it does. Because <laughs> it's quality fucking ginger beer, you guys. By the way, that's what we're drinking here today on Beer with Buffy. Some Jameson Schwiske and some zero sugar, all natural craft ginger beer by Reed's. And Guinness. And Guinness. Like you've never heard of Guinness. So anyway, we're at a train station. Buffy and Xander yes. are looking for clues. And Buffy tells Xander about Spike being in love with her. Uh, to which... He laughs. To which, n- not Xander, but Nicholas Brendan <laughs> does quite possibly the worst fake laugh I've ever seen anyone do. On, oh, it is awful. On this show. His mouth looks like the fucking Joker without makeup as he's doing this laugh. <laughs> it's fucking creepy which is weird because I, I I'm not sure if he's just starting to show his age in in this episode or recently in general but uh it's funny because I was just starting to think to myself you know Nicholas Brennan's still looking pretty good in this uh in this episode I thought he was starting to uh, pack on the pounds and um starting to show his age a little bit and then I completely took it back when he does this awful awful fake laugh i'm not trying to body shame or anything here anyway enough trashing nicholas brendan's bad laugh here and talking for any amount of time about what he looks like whatever we all age what are you gonna do so buffy uh, of course is not amused by xander being amused so uh she flops down this is like one of the funniest parts of the episode it is if you ask me it's so is she flops down on one of the dead body outlines in the seat in the proper outline like yes. she, like she just flops she's, down she's laying exactly <laughs> like the corpse she's sitting in the same position that the corpse was sitting it was there as they outlined it with tape and uh <laughs> i really i would love to know if this was something that was like specifically directed to her to do or if this was like something that just popped up while they were doing the scene. It could go either way. I It totally would like make sense as to Absolutely. it being either way. And I really just would love to know. Personally, I would never uh, sit in the dead body spot. Not because I'm afraid of like blood or the creepiness of it in general. But because there's probably like pee in the seat. That's a valid point. <laughs> because you're you lose the yeah. body loses all that. We we all know why. Everybody, yeah, your body evacuates yeah, uh, when you die. You know, the first thing <laughs> I saw or the first thing I noted when they got onto this train is I'm like this doesn't look like there were dead bodies here at all. No. <laughs> this is way too clean. Way too clean. Also, would they really just leave the train car there at the station? Probably not. No. Probably not. There's a train yard around there somewhere. They'd get it off of the main track. There's other trains yeah. that need to come through, you know? Yeah. It's like thinking, 
It's like seeing a car that's been in an accident still sitting in the lane. They don't do that. Right. The first thing they do is get it the fuck out of the way. Yeah. There's, so, there's business to be had here, people. We live in a capitalistic society. Exactly. Fuck your notions. People dead. Get the fuck out of the way. It happens. They're not off to where they make money as dead people, which isn't here. So, so yeah, there's a little bit of a conversation back and forth here between Xander and Buffy about it. She's 100% creeped out by yeah. the Spike situation. Xander reassures her it's just a fevered daydream that's never going to happen, so why worry about it? And Xander asks, how does she even know this information? Buffy tells him about Dawn hanging out with Spike. And then Xander gets fucking creepy. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <sighs> she thinks Dawn has a crush on Spike. And speaking of creepy, Xander gets way too upset that a 14-year-old also has inappropriate feelings for another inappropriately older man. Uh, I mean, okay, Xander is... He's such an insecure little turd fucker. Yeah. But honestly, I don't get the same sense of ludicrously inappropriateness vibes that I did from last episode. No, that that is true. The scene when he was talking to Giles in the, the alley was way fucking creepy. That was more like locker room talk, like, hey, yeah. I got this 14-year-old on the line. <laughs> yeah. This is just like... Oh, she doesn't like me anymore? Oh. Yeah, because, I mean, the last thing he says is, what, I'm not cool anymore? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that makes a certain amount of sense, and I can kind of get behind that, but, like, it's but still... still, he should really be more like, the, the appropriate response is, oh, she's growing up. You know, I liked the attention, but obviously... It wasn't, it wasn't it, fully appropriate. It know? wasn't fully appropriate, and that was... Yeah. You know, She's going to find a guy that's her age and she's going to be real happy. She should be concerned about her happiness, exactly. not, not his own ego. <laughs> it's almost like he's a self-centered fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense that he's friends with the family of sociopaths. Yep. And so they they leave and and then there's a creepy doll. <laughs> Another creepy doll <laughs> that always follows you. Exactly where my brain went. Jonathan Colton, look it up. There's a great deal of myth about Dracula. Imagine the trick to defeating him lies in separating the fact from the fiction. What kind of an unholy creature wants his cheap, tasteless statuary? Yeah, really, just back to the, the inappropriate Xander thing. I Really, the, the main issue is the frequency of inappropriate references to an underage girl across the board. Yeah. That is the disturbing part. Not really this Xander thing in particular. Last right. episode, that was a huge one. But anyway, moving on. So they leave the train, Creepy Doll, um, which they completely missed, and it absolutely never comes back around this episode. Nope. Which bothers the fuck out of me. Well, the only reason that... It, well, it hints at Drew. That's why. I guess like, kind of. I forgot that she was into dolls. Yeah, it makes at sense. At one point in time, she had a whole fucking room full of dolls, and like it makes sense after the fact. But yeah. it wasn't something. And I guess for the Uber fan, they're gonna go, <gasps> "That's Drusilla's doll." But yeah. it went right over my head. But no, get probably probably actually a very good clue. I still just wish that they had spelled it out a little more later in the episode because we still had to kind of piece that together ourselves later. That, oh, that's what the doll was about. Yeah. 
instead of just kind of letting it flap in the breeze. But that's the difference between it doesn't make it bad writing, you know? No. Just I, like Morrowind isn't a poorly designed game because there was no map marker. <laughs> I I will always forever come back to that example. Yeah, it's I, it works for so many different things. It made it more engaging that I had to figure shit out for myself, you know? Yeah. And this is arguably one of those things. No, I, I'm perfectly fine with them not fucking handing it to us on a platter. Yeah. For like, they do that way too much. They do that I'm, just I'm, a bit too they much. They wouldn't even necessarily need to hand it to us on a platter. Just have Drew holding a doll similar to that one at some point in the episode. Uh, yeah. To give us a little reminder that Drew's into dolls. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for them to make it a main plot point. Anyway, moving along. So from there, we go back to Buffy's place, where Buffy walking from the rest of the house into the kitchen, where she finds Joyce telling a story to Dawn and Spike. He's just made himself way at home. Boy, howdy he has. Buffy immediately goes into, oh, fuck this mode. Yeah. Spike claims to have just come by to apologize about yesterday with Dawn. And also, <laughs> I need to have a chat with your eldest. I'm like, okay, dad. Fuck you. Right. <laughs> Nobody says, fuck you. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> cut to the hallway. Yes. Where Spike's having a chat. <laughs> He looks like the kind of guy you can bring home to mom and dad. <laughs> kind of kind of guy you'd like to, that you'd trust to leave alone with your eldest, you know? Or your youngest. Whichever. I trust him more with the youngest, frankly. I mean, he's less creepy with that one. <laughs> uh, Buffy immediately gets weird, now knowing that Spike is into her. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of ludicrous, but perfectly in character that she didn't pick up on it before. She's had a lot on her plate. She has. Between Riley's bullshit, her mom's illness, and finding out her sister is some fucking mythical object. All and I, you know, a god is trying to kill her. That's true. That's like, true. Very full plate. But think back to the episode, and help me out for a second here. Think back to the episode where she tells him that he's beneath her. Okay. Can you remind me real quick why... She was prompted to say that. Wasn't he trying to hook up uh, with her then, too? I don't remember. Haven't we kind of sort of been through this already? Doesn't she kind of already have a pretty blunt-faced admission that he's into her? I'm not sure. How I is she so I, oblivious? Because I, I remember the line, and I remember the visual aspect of the scene, but I don't remember the lead-in. Because it confuses me on... Twofold here. How is she so oblivious to his feelings towards her? And how is he still thinking that he has a chance after being shut down so hard? Yeah. He literally cried. So these are just character yeah. things that I've noticed that I my memory is not that great. And uh, these are kind of just legitimate questions. I notice a lot of times people confuse... Uh, what I'm saying, they they think that I'm pontificating when I'm directly asking legitimate questions. Uh, <laughs> I can understand that. Anyway, I don't remember. That'd be a great thing to call in about or post on our Facebook page about. And uh, one of us may or may not remember. 
More or like, hey, more email likely us me. or give us a voicemail on that. 269-743-0783. I, fun fact, I can only remember that number while we're recording. That is hilarious. I tried to remember it the other day, and I was like, I can't think of the fucking Buffy number. Weird. That's, that is interesting. <laughs> but I one time also accidentally gave it to a, a co-worker <laughs> on the phone instead of my actual number. <laughs> I, and then I was like, wait, that's the wrong number. Don't call that number. Please don't call that number. <laughs> I'd like to keep this job. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh I think the school district would have some questions for you. Uh, other job. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's Even okay. worse. <laughs> no, no, the school system is definitely more delicate yeah. in that regard. But neither of them are delicate yeah. at all. Moving along. Yeah, so Spike tells Buffy that he has a lead on a couple vamps downtown, probably the ones who are the murderers at the train. Very definitely probably. Yeah. She thinks that his information is for sale or that he's trying to sell it to her. So she has a funny Freudian slip here when she tells him to go hit on, I mean, hit up Giles instead. He claims to have a beat on the vampires that killed the people on the train. But he's going to, instead of just telling her, boy, howdy, he's going to show her where these vampires are. And they're going to have them a stakeout. Boy. Cut to a car parked in the alleyway. Where they have a stakeout. Luckily, there's no stakes out. Buffy. Huh? Buffy did not bring her cool. She left her cool at home. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't need it. She's better off without it, if you ask me. I mean, yeah. I would agree. (laughs) There's no cool here. Zero cool. (laughs) It's a super fucking awkward moment between these two. They're staring down an alleyway from Spike's front seat. Buffy is suspicious like uh when he just starts casually drumming on the steering wheel and singing i want to be sedated which is hilarious to me because i could not think of the name or the lyrics to that song for like two fucking days just a few (laughs) weeks ago and it was driving me fucking crazy the ramones the ramones yeah i because they like made me sing that during intermission at a fucking punk rock themed production of Macbeth that I was in. Um, that's the only time you're allowed to say the name of that show, by the way, is in reference to an actual production. Oh. Or... And then, other than that, it's the Scottish play? The is Scottish that right? play. Yeah, the that's Scottish correct. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not an actor, so I'm just going to say Macbeth. All right. Well, you're going to be the death of all of us. Uh, you know. You're going to be the Mac death of all of us. Huh? Huh? <sighs> Nothing? Nobody? dust <sighs> anyway there's a little bit of humor as he's like getting in his glove box to get out some bourbon she thinks he's about to grab her yeah and and then he takes a swig from it and he offers it to her and that's even worse than if he was gonna grab her because at least she could deal with him grabbing her very easily yeah by, by, breaking, by breaking his, his wrist. arm off yes correct like, and then probably beating him with it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's that's the next go-to. <laughs> really for thought you were going to say beating him off, and I was like, "That's not where this episode's going, Rex." No, that definitely not. Yeah, why I got to take it to the sexy place, Rex? You haven't asked me that in a while. 
I haven't. I guess I haven't been taking it to the sexy place Not near really. as much recently. No. I'm sorry, v- or listeners. I might be maturing. No, you've just been going in a more gross direction. Oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> you've had a lot more poop jokes. Huh. Actually. I'm actually devolving. Yeah. That's <laughs> excellent news. <laughs> I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> Anyway, the vamps show up, and so they head on inside to wreak some havoc. Because they want some popcorn, too. (laughs) And to find out if they have any old CDs of the Ramones, which this guy is looking through. Oh, my God. This. Yeah, these guys live in the 90s. Yeah, this this is eternity, guys. Making popcorn, living in in a hovel nest. Looking through some old CDs in the 90s. Their, their, their life isn't that different from Spike's, if you think about it. <laughs> God knows how old these guys are as vampires. <laughs> they could be 20 years old. They could be 200 years old. Doesn't matter. They've got a shitty nest in an abandoned warehouse making kettle corn. No, it was Jiffy Pop. Oh, it was Jiffy Pop. Yeah, the, like foil tray pan yeah. things yeah yeah those i think okay. that i'm pretty sure that's jiffy Pop. i've never actually made that kind but they show it in movies all the time yeah so they're making jiffy pop and looking through old random cds just like wow what the fuck are we gonna do with the rest of eternity it's but amazing hey, you know if you're if you live that long you're <laughs> gonna have some times where it's just this you're like, gonna have a bad time yeah. okay like you might have some times where you're you're the big bad and you know living it up but then sometimes you know you're just going to make some jiffy pop yeah yeah uh, you know it is damned lucky for vampires in this universe that they can eat regular food yeah otherwise if all you got is blood i hope you got other ways to keep yourself busy yeah <laughs> good luck fuckers that'd be so fucking terrible don't get me started so they stand up when they see buffy and spike (laughs) and he's all like slayer and then they run away like tadpoles in a pond that you just stepped in yeah they're fucking out of there and buffy figures out real quick that these vampires have nested and clearly the killer arrived just last night on the train so they can't be the killers and Buffy now reckons that something is rotten in the state of Denmark, for all you Shakespeare fans. And then Spike opens the fucking door for her as she storms out. Right. And boy, howdy, this just fucking tears it for Buffy. Yeah. Quote of the day, is this a date? <laughs> Spike says, a, a date, please. A, a date. You are completely off your bird. I mean... Do you want it to be? <laughs> He's got some real. Oh no! Unless, unless, <laughs> you know, I've had that conversation a couple times. <laughs> Wait, is this a date? I mean, is that okay with you? Uh, I just want to bring you all up to speed. It was not okay with them. <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> I want to say this happened to me twice. <laughs> This is why I will always say, no matter who you are, no matter what gender you are, if somebody asks you to hang out with them Mm -hmm. or to do anything, you should clarify in that moment if it's a date or not. You should not 
make any assumptions about whether or not it's a date. You should fucking ask if someone's like, hey, do you want to go see this movie? I don't know. I think that would have made a lot of my friendships really weird right out of the gate. Like if I had asked you if it was a date the first time that we hung out that wasn't the coffee shop. Well, okay. Like, obviously, we had no, like, romantic interest in each other. Obviously. But, like... You're saying specifically that we should not make any assumptions. What I'm saying is some assumptions you can make where, it's like, if a person is just obviously not into your gender then, yeah, you can just be like, hey, do you want to go hang out? I get what you're saying. I'm just being a stickler. But the point is, if there is a possibility that it could be construed as a date, just clarify that up front. Uh, that's, that's good advice. Sound advice. Use your best judgment, though. <laughs> Don't be a stickler like me. That's how you ruin friendships. That's That's the real takeaway here, I think. Feel free to tell me. Next part gets a little too personal because I'm told I have drop issues. But I'm her. I am great, I am beautiful, and I love to all eyes turn to me because my name is a holy name and you won't listen. Yeah, anyway, at this, at the the line of do you want it to be a date, she freaks out. She's super grossed out, just very unhappy about the whole situation. And she says to him, because he's like, I've changed. And she's like, what? That chip in your head? That's not change. That's just holding you back. You're like a serial killer in prison. Mm -hmm. And his response is just fucking on point. He's like, women marry them all the time. He's not wrong. (laughs) He is technically not wrong. He's not wrong. I was actually just talking about this with someone the other day about (laughs) how... Uh, romanticizing serial killers freaks me out a bit. Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. Um, at the expo that I went to yesterday, there was a lot of, like, artwork that was very much romanticizing serial killers. And, like, Ew. framed fucking images of, like, serial killers' mugshots and shit. Ugh. And it's just, like... I don't like that Netflix keeps recommending to me, what is it, the John Wayne Gacy stories? Right. And I'm like, okay, just because I watched that other one about the Times Square killer... And the only reason I watched the Times Square Killer one was because the guy who played the Times Square Killer, I went to college with. So everybody go watch that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Scott Watson. Shit. I was in shows with him on stage live. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I might. I'm not saying I could call him up and he'd respond, but (laughs) I was in shows with him and I went to college with him. He's actually a super cool guy. He is... one of the few people I know who I really think deserves to make it in the biz. Yeah. You know? So go him. Good for him. Anyway, so basically there's a back and forth where he's trying to claim that he has real emotions for her. And she's obviously like, no, you're a fucking vampire. Those aren't real emotions. But yeah, she's just absolutely disgusted and she leaves. Yeah, she visibly gags a bit. Um, Honestly surprised that she didn't projectile vomit across the room onto him. Probably held back because she thought he might like it too much. I God, I almost did a dramatic reading with this conversation. (laughs) But, you know, I think I'm just going to save it for when it's a little less stalkery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it it was right on the edge of being able to be a dramatic reading, but not quite. 
Yeah. It, it didn't quite fit. I'll wait until she's ready to admit that she has feelings for him, which uh, legitimately she does not yet. No. Um, she never really does get feelings for him. Really? I feel like she does. We'll get there. It's not worth arguing about yet. Yeah. Back to Spike's lair, specifically the underground one. Yep. Spike returns home to find Drew in his crypt. Scylla. Drusilla. Yeah. Gee, I wonder who murdered all those people on the train. Must be her. Well, now that she's got Spike all up to speed on the plot, or lack thereof, of Angel, and she's trying to get the band back together. Yeah. She's got some scarring. Did you notice that? Uh, She's not fully healed from the burning. From the burning, yes. There's some uh, really good crossover continuity going on here. Yeah. I'll like that. And uh, she knows all about his chip-in-the-head problems uh, (laughs) regarding the pain that he gets from hurting uh, humans. She specifically says, it's all in your head. I'm like, well, fucking duh, literally. I I have some sad news for you, Josh. For me, specifically? Yep. Go on. Uh, With the exception of flashbacks, this is canonically the last time we see Drusilla. Oh, Ah, the only time she appears in the sh- either show, Angel or or Buffy again is in flashbacks only. Oh. Jeez, you know, I really felt like I should be taking more Drusilla specific notes this whole time, but I was trying real hard to keep it uh trying not to get caught up in details, you know? So, yeah. oh well, that's okay. It'll be there. Yep. What and are you going to do? We still get her in flashbacks, so. Yeah, that's true. Huh. But yeah, she invites him to L.A. Um, he LA. doesn't want to go to L.A. He's, he's had he's had a bad time in L.A. He's like, no, I've got a pretty good gig right here in the sunny D. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a good gig. Hang out, do nothing, watch daytime TV. <laughs> Harmony shows up and accuses Spike of hiring a prostitute. Well, I guess <laughs> she didn't say prostitute. No, but but she says. Now you've gone and picked up some cheap queen of the damned to dress up like your precious Drewdzilla. Yeah. But no, he's like, no, this is actually Drusilla. And uh, then he tosses Harmony. Literally. Quite literally and figuratively. Had a quote of the day here. Harmony says, oh, well, you've got some nerve showing up here like this after all this time. (laughs) After breaking my sweet boo-boo's heart over... His shoulder, Drusilla, mouths, boo-boo. Yeah. (laughs) One of the best parts of the scene. Harmony goes on to say, Do you have any idea how hard it's been to break down the walls he put up after you left? I mean, serious trust issues. Spike's like, hum. So it's no use you crawling back to him because Spikey don't play that game anymore, Morticia. Yeah. Really, that's it. Morticia, because I had already made notes about the Adams Family thing, and then Queen of the Damned, Morticia. Too many good pop culture alternative vampire references here yeah. to pass up. So that's the only reason it's quote of the day. Anyway, Spike informs Harmony that the reason he's choking her right now is not at all sexual, nor because his ex-girlfriend is back, but because he is, in fact, back, hard air quotes, meaning Drusilla yeah. is a damn good salesman. And doesn't, and it doesn't hurt that he's hurting from being shot down by Buffy. So fuck y'all. Let's get the band back together, bitches. Sure, 
we'll just ignore the fact that he has a chip in his head. Yeah. It's not important. That's not a problem at all. It's not important. Drusilla can just do all the killing for him. Yeah. She can mama bird it right into his face. That, that, that couldn't possibly cause future problems in their relationship. Never. Not, not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> cut back to Buffy's living room. Yep, where... And by the way, I just combined all of this cutting back and forth. Yeah. Into one scene yeah. for each of them. I, so bronze all at once, Buffy's living room all at once, because yep. fuck all that cutting yeah. back and forth. So Buffy's living room, Buffy tells Joyce and Willow about Spike trying to say, I love you. And she practically gags like the Fonz trying to say, I love you here. Joyce does some uh, A-class uh, victim blaming. I wrote the same term. Yep. The line being, honey, did you somehow unintentionally lead him on in any way send him signals buffy's like well i do Ugh. beat him up a lot and okay that's actually it's kind of funny because there's always that ongoing joke that if a girl hits you on the playground in elementary school it means she likes you and it's usually true but it's still a fucking terrible line <laughs> yeah it's cringy i cringed yeah. i cringed a little and uh well, hey, it was the 90s. Well, no, it was the early 2000s. Yeah. Same um, thing. Willow advice. Willow gives solid, important advice here. Uh, she tells Buffy. Well, first, she's like, well, you shot you shot him down, right? And she's like, well, I think so. And I mean, Willow, I thought she did. I think she's second guessing herself a little she, much. Yeah, here. but Willow's advice is like, no, you need to you, you need to talk to him again. You need to make sure you fucking put your foot down and it is 100% perfectly clear that you are not interested and that is not an option. Yeah, you got to go back prepared for this kind of shit. Because, yeah, when you get all upset like that, it is hard to remember things clearly. But then she, basically, she heads out to the bronze. Yeah, so we cut well, to... Well, no, she, sorry, she, she heads out to go talk to Spike. She does. Yep. And we cut to... Da bronze! Where Spike and Drew do some super hot couples hunting. Yeah. They pick this couple up on the catwalk that are making out, and they tag team them, but Drew does all the killing. Yeah. She it, snaps this girl. It's kind of clever. It, it that, is a like, bit. Yeah. Because with all the, the loud music and the hubbub, nobody notices a thing. Nope. And she's so quick about snapping this girl's neck and tossing her over to Spike, it really just looks like they're swinging up there. You know? Yeah. And also, like, it completely bypasses his need for not feeling brain pain. I was fully expecting when he, uh, after he took a, felt like a solid minute of time to decide to vamp out, but he eventually does and then drinks from her. I, I, th I thought it was absolutely brilliant that when they walked up onto the catwalk, Drew was vamped out and he wasn't. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah. Okay. That it was is it's very subtle, but like it interesting. is interesting, like very interesting character dynamic there. And I had a very hard time telling here. I was like, hey, he doesn't feel like he's really back to me. Either that, or he's just he's really having to pull himself back from like two years of being subdued by this chip, you know. But he vamps out and he goes for it. And I, I honestly expected him to still get the chip pain. I think, I don't remember if we specifically talked about this or not, but what is it that would trigger the chip? 
Like I think we we summed it up with the the knowledge of intention of harming and since she was already dead there was no harm she was just meat at that point. Yeah. So he was able to bypass that function of the chip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that works. Because I think if if he were to like accidentally elbow somebody in the face, he wouldn't get shocked. It's it's all tapped into his intention and knowledge of harm. In the moment when we had this scene, I was kind of like a little on the fence for the characterization of having him hesitate to bite. Um, just because I'm like, is it trying to decide if it was him, like what you said, trying to undo that conditioning and like fight through it? Or was it him, like, hesitantly after, like, choosing to do, hard air quotes, good things, you know, from his extremely fucked up perspective for so long? Like, you know, it's a hard step to backtrack on things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be the conditioning from the chip or, like, you know, self decisions that he's made well i think obviously based on the events of the rest of the episode it's obvious that he was uh that he'd made his decision that he wants to go good but he knew that he had to convince drusilla yeah to use her as a pawn in his plan to get buffy which was an ill-begotten plan mind you but he also still doesn't have a soul yet and he's always just been this narcissistic driven uh, whatever the means are to the end fine and so after the end of the episode i now read that scene as that moment of hesitation is him going if i do this buffy will not like it yeah and that's that's all it is and i think that's a whole a whole nother episode i bet that's gonna come up again later yeah and it's gonna be another hurdle i i bet that's gonna be the catalyst to him deciding to go get his soul God, I wish I could remember. Because I, I don't, don't remember. remember what it was that. But I know he yeah. eventually gets his soul back, and I'm I'm curious what makes him decide to do that. And it's something about winning Buffy over. Yeah. Because this is his first real attempt at trying to prove to Buffy that he's in love with her. Yeah. And he doesn't actually win her over until he gets his soul back. Because mm-hmm. that's the real. Because. A chip is not a soul. Yep. A chip is just a leash. A chip is a shock collar. Yes, exactly. And uh, literally, except it's in his brain. I will always be here for you. And you've got Mr. Giles and your friends. Believe me, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, we go to Spike's lair, where Buffy enters to find him, and he's not home. Uh, she goes a, a bit exploring and uh, rubbing, rummaging through his secrets and, you know, what's behind the curtain. Yeah. Not going to like what's behind the curtain. Well, I'll tell you what's behind the curtain, Rex. It's a shrine to Buffy. Yeah. Which is not flattering at all when she finds it. She is no. not pleased in any way um, to find a shrine. I'm a firm believer that, yeah, I'm I'm 100% certain that there is no way in hell you could ever, anybody could ever find a shrine dedicated to them and feel okay about it. Let me tell you a little story. So one, oh God. <laughs> one time in high school, 
I did lots of plays in high school just for some backstory and I majored in theater later. So this was the lead up. I, I was in a play in high school and apparently there was this girl that had a debilitatingly massive crush on me. I did not know this. I, actually, somebody might have told me or something and I was like, okay, whatever. She's not my type. What are you, you going to do? You know, but then I don't remember why or how I found this script, but it was her script and it was like something out of a horror film. I flipped through this whole script and every single page had written on it. I love Josh. I love Josh. I love oh. Josh. <laughs> oh, that's painful. And uh, yeah, like you said, I was not excited or flattered. I was fucking creeped out. Yeah. <laughs> well, because like there is no point. Where something like that doesn't just completely 100% reek of obsession. Yes. And obsession is terrifying. Yes. And that's all that's good. Spike is not in love with Buffy. He is obsessed with Buffy. Yeah. He does not have the capacity to love her. He doesn't have a soul. He thinks he loves her, but it's this weird fucking bastardization of the emotion. Mm-hmm. Fun story. Same story, actually. Just an extension of it. I went to a restaurant probably, I don't know, five, maybe ten years after graduation, and uh, she was my waitress. She tried to get my phone number. I left. Did she know that you'd seen that? I don't know if she knew. I don't know what I did with that script. I just remember seeing it. (laughs) But, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Rejection sucks. It does. But also, this this kind of touches on the fact that, like, you should be able to understand others in a more complex way. Crushes and obsession tends to ide- idealize a person. Mm-hmm. And the image that a person has of the person that they're obsessed with is not accurate. Yeah. By any means. It was so weird because I was like, I don't know you. Yeah, exactly. Who and are you? That's that's one of the major differences between like real attraction and obsession is like real attraction takes knowing and understanding a person yeah. on at least some level. Mm-hmm. But when it's just obsession, like you can't know a person and be obsessed with them like that. Obsession is too one note in, in the imagery of how your brain views a thing Uh uh-huh definitely couldn't agree more where were we buffy finds the the shrine yep buffy finds the shrine and then complete uh, with mannequin dressed in her actual sweater yep (laughs) hey look at that you found that sweater buffy you found the sweater that's good news i hope you apologize to your sister for getting pissy about it right yeah but probably not (laughs) so she leaves and she finds spike at the top of the ladder blood still on the corner of his lips Buffy is freaked out and confused. She's like, what? What? What is going on? What happened? And then Drew flanks oh, her. Funny story. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about cattle prods? <laughs> you like them, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> Anybody want a hamburger? <laughs> anyway, so uh, Drew's all like, shall we tie her up? Play with her a teensy bit first. And Spike's all serious and uh, doer, as she says, I'm through playing. Oh, I love it when you're all doer and straight to business. And uh, she hands Spike the taser, 
which is her undoing. Hey, Drew, see that cow over there? <laughs> no, I meant you. <laughs> what a twist! <laughs> and <laughs> cut down to the tunnels. The the actual lair, if yeah, you will. Yeah, the actual lair, uh, where we find that Spike has chained Buffy up and also tied Drew to a post. That is correct. And he now decides that he, to prove his love to Buffy, is going to kill Drew. Yeah, makes perfect sense to me. And, uh, like... This man really loves bondage. I gotta give him that. I mean... Ex-girlfriend? Prospective new girlfriend? Who hates me? Ah, uh, we're gonna have a good time. Yeah. But the whole, like, blackmail... He, he's trying to blackmail Buffy into saying that she loves him. That's what it boils down to, absolutely. Um, because basically, his entire point is like, Okay, I'm gonna kill Drew for you to prove that I love you, but if you don't say that you feel something back, I'm going to let Drew go and she can kill you. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, you're, you're tainting the waters there, buddy. That's not how that works. Yeah. And I mean, his whole point is that Drew was his everything at one point. So that it's, it would be a big deal if he kills Drew. But like, yeah. And he practically falls in love with her all over again as he's over next to her explaining to Buffy how important she is to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, she never stopped taking me to new depths. I was a lucky bloke just to touch such a black beauty. Honestly, his lines, well, those whole times he's talking about Drew, were fucking beautiful. I was he, like... He was a poet once. I was like, that's love. You are in love with Drew, maybe. But apparently... Uh, I mean that not, not enough to override your obsession with Buffy. Right. But of course, Buffy's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And Spike begins to rant about a big misogynist toddler yeah. style hissy fit. Blames that's, that's a good way to put it. Blames Drew for leaving him, blames Buffy for not leaving him and driving him crazy. Says he's just going to kill them both. Burn one and cut the other into tiny bits. I have put so many nice coins into you vending machines. Exactly. <laughs> and then he calls them bints, which is perfect timing for him to be interrupted by an arrow to the back. I used to be an adventurer, and then I took an arrow to the back. Yeah. <laughs> Shots fired by Harmony. Literally. Yeah. Harmony thought she could change him. Well, that was her first mistake. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'd stop treating her like a dog if she just gave him more and more and more. But now she knows that he's the dog that needs to be put down and them's fighting words. Fun fact, if you are in a relationship with somebody that you deem you ought to change, you don't want to be in a relationship with that yeah. person. Stop it. <laughs> don't do that. So. Basically, Spike and Harmony start to fight. Then when they start to fight, Drew and Buffy start struggling against their restraints. Everybody starts throwing fists. Yeah. Drew breaks out of her ropes first. Yeah. Buffy really has no chance because she's in fucking yeah. steel cuffs. But her feet aren't chained, so that allows her to kind of fight back with her legs. Which she does a fairly decent job of. Well, yeah, because she's the goddamn slayer and that's what she does. Damn right. And uh, after a fair bit of grappling, Spike knocks Harmony on her ass. Yep. Spike runs over to Drew, who's beating Buffy with a wooden board. <laughs> and he tackles Drew to the ground to get her off of Buffy. He unlocks Buffy's shackles while Drew is recovering from the rather hard wallop that she took. Yes. 
Drusilla's just fucking done at this point. Yeah. She leaves on her final line being, poor Spike. Even I can't help you now. And that's it. And she fucks off. Yeah. Forever, except for flashbacks. Yeah. Apparently. And then, of course, Harmony's like, hey, you know what? Fuck you. I'm gone, too. See this ass? You ain't never going to see this anymore, except when I'm walking away. If, you know, if I run into you later. (laughs) But, you know, then I'll probably, you know, just like back away. (laughs) Because, boy, she's awkward. And also, fun fact, this is the last time we see Harmony on Buffy. Oh, no. She only appears on Angel from here Does she go to Angel? Yeah. I didn't know she went to Angel. Eventually, she becomes a regular guest. Oh, I didn't remember that. Uh, Fifth season, I think. Neat. Good for her. I thought she got dusted relatively soon from after this. No? Huh. I'm glad they kept her that long. I didn't realize. Uh, apparently, I guess she becomes a secretary at Wolfram and the Heart or something. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah, she's no longer to be seen on Buffy again. Oh, well. So yeah, this episode this you know, harkens the loss of two characters. This is a big turning point for yeah. Buffy, this episode. But yeah, Buffy being the last one there in the tunnels. Well, she just goes ahead and heaves a fist right into Spike's face that surprisingly doesn't splatter his brains across the wall but i bet it makes him feel like it had (laughs) right i bet he wishes it had yeah luckily his fall was broken by his own shrine to the girl who just punched him (laughs) and we cut to the sidewalk yep where they're walking down the street spike is following behind you know doing his thing basically she's trying to ignore him and just walk Oh, come on. Oh, come on, love. This doesn't change anything. You can't just walk away from this. It changes everything, and you need to fuck off until you get to another planet, and then keep fucking off until you get to the next planet, and then the next star system, and then Sagittarius A, and then Beagle Point. And you know what? (laughs) Just fuck off to Andromeda from there. You know what? Vampires don't need oxygen. (laughs) They can just fucking start flying my favorite my favorite part about that was dropping (laughs) beagle point because that's such a niche thing you're welcome anybody that gets that (laughs) i was gonna say you get a free hoodie but you could just google it so never mind um (laughs) and spike's like oh but we have some we have something buffy like it or not you can't just shut me out (laughs) bonk (laughs) oh well shit I guess you can just shut me out. Yeah. Because Buffy with a just a glare on her face that could melt steel. Yeah. Clearly Willow must have reactivated the... The uh, uninvited him. The anti-vampire... Yeah, yeah the, the natural uninvitation yep. vampire spell. And she just closes the door on his face. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk give, in give, here. Give, 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 give. Hold on. You've got something here. Honestly, I kind of wish that there's a small part of me that wishes that this had been the end of that relationship. I'm not sure how I feel about that yet, because I don't really remember how it progresses from here. I do. I don't I don't want it to be the end of Spike cuz Spike is so fun. No, I 
I definitely want Spike to stay in the show, but I'm I there's lots of feelings I have. Well, and there's you know an what? episode coming up that I'm just not going to be comfortable this with. This is but. one I I bet I won't be either, but but that's half the reason we're doing this podcast is to look at it from a new adult more woke feminist perspective as compared to the uh, toxic product of the 90s that we were when we saw this show where frankly yeah. I saw nothing wrong with the relationship between Spike and Buffy and I liked it. I loved it and I'm sure I won't now and I'm going to put it off onto the interwebs why because I got nothing better to do. I don't know if I really had any strong opinions of their relationship when I first watched this. Mostly because, like, I wasn't really in a, a space where I was digging that fucking deep into a TV show, you know? Mm-hmm. I wasn't analyzing it and, like, thinking about it on a cultural stance or anything like that. I didn't really start doing that till not that long ago, really. Like, within the last 10 years was when I started really fucking actually digging into TV shows and paying more attention to how... They're written in characterization and, and plot and all that. So, like, I probably wasn't that bothered by this progression either when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. Especially because I was introduced to the romantic relationship of Spike and Buffy from the sixth season first. Because one of the first things you, I ever saw... You watched the show out of order? One of the first things I ever saw of this show was Once More With Feeling. Right. It's a whole different dynamic. Yeah. It's, you know, in some ways still... A highly problematic dynamic that's presented in that but it's not this but the backstory is important yeah i'm i am really interested to get to the sixth season when their relationship changes and starts becoming more and seeing how i feel about that because right now i'm really not that comfortable with it yeah i don't see how it could possibly evolve in any kind of a healthy way but we, I mean, we already have, we have it from a solid source that part of the reason that they decided to get rid of Riley and start shipping Spike and Buffy was because Joss Whedon specifically said, fuck it. People don't like it when Buffy has a healthy relationship because he legitimately thought it was healthy. So let's give them what they want. And you know what? And there is a certain truth to that when you're talking a TV show where you need drama and you need conflict. Like, yeah, people watch things like this to be entertained. But, yeah. like, there is just a deeply uncomfortable reflection of the showrunners when you look at how they, like, oh, let, we need to have we need to build this romantic relationship between these two characters. And it's just this cringe. Yeah. However, I mean, I'm glad you explained it to me earlier that that is what they were going for with this episode. They were like, no, stop liking that he's into her here. Look how creepy it is. And we made it clear in no uncertain terms, not ironically. Yeah. Now, granted, I don't... That it is an unacceptable... Granted, I don't know when that quote was from. There was no indication in what I saw that said when it was from. So who knows? You know, it could have been a week after the episode aired, or it could have been, you know, 
15, 20 years after the episode aired. Fuck if I know. But I, don't I, know. Gotta, I gotta say, I'm not happy with this episode. I was not happy with it. It mostly made me uncomfortable. Yeah. But I mean, based on... <laughs> But I mean, based on what you said, that sounds like what they were going for, which kind of makes it a success. However, yeah, in terms of entertainment, I I did not get off on this episode. No. It wasn't particularly funny. It didn't make me go, oh, yeah, you go, girl. It didn't make me go, oh, but I really want Spike to hook up with her. Yeah. And uh, nothing else was really of note that happened in this. The whole thing with Drusilla and the... The people dying on the train was not exactly a red herring, but... The one moment that they worked for that just didn't even, like, hit the note they were going for was when Harmony's like, you're just, you're dumping me because she's back, and his line being, no, because I'm back. But he wasn't. you know, that whole scene is built to, like, have that moment, and that was written like it was supposed to be a moment where you're like, Spike is back! I didn't feel it, though. And you don't feel it at all. It feels so cheap. I don't know that we were supposed to feel it. He was just playing the room because he saw an opportunity to use it to get what he wanted. At this point in the episode, I was just so unentertained by, by him and his bullshit. Yeah. That, like... Even even if it was a purely sincere, like, I'm back, I still think I would have been as uncomfortable with this episode as I was because it's just, like, it's so tasteless. I, I felt, I get what they were trying to go for is make it uncomfortable and make it seem like Spike's bullshit is bad, but it also just felt like it was too much to hmm. me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... You're not wrong, because I'm I'm struggled to wonder what my opinion firmly would have been had you not told me that that was the writer's intention. All I know is that with where this story arc is going, it's going to be kind of a struggle with me. And I know it's coming, and I'm trying to prepare for it as best as I can. But it's going to be rough. The man. best I can it's say... It's going to be rough. The best I can say is it's character progression for Spike. It's not positive care. I think it is positive character progression, but we are seeing him in an abyss of a hero's journey, or in this case, maybe an anti-hero in a legitimate plot arc for this character. He is in an abyss. He is at a low point. He is at a, even if it's not a low point, it's an extraordinarily uncertain point. He does not know what the fuck is going on inside his head? He's just trying to follow his heart. He's doing a shitty job because he's evil. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make anybody empathize with, with him. I just want it to be a good episode so bad. I don't think it's a bad episode, but I don't think it aged well. I, okay, I can ba- I can back that. I think is the main issue. I maybe I just am no longer the fucking audience for this episode. And that's not a bad thing. Obviously it's not turning me off from the entire fucking show. Yeah. But in the end, honestly, if, this one made me uncomfortable. Yeah. If everything was perfect, this wouldn't be any fun. Oh well, yeah, fair. It wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't have anything to talk about. We'd be like, 
100% no notes. Yeah, no notes. <laughs> Print it. That would be a much easier episode to edit. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it might just be a really boring episode on our part. Do you have a quote of the day? Yeah, there were a couple pretty entertaining lines, if you ask me. All right, well, hopefully we didn't go with the same line. I, I've decided I'm going to go with Xander's line towards the beginning. Anya says, Xander, I think you may have hurt his feelings. <laughs> Xander responds, and you should never hurt the feelings of a brutal killer. You, you know, that's uh, that's actually some pretty good advice. Yeah. <laughs> I did almost pick that. Okay. I did almost pick that. But no, I wanted to go with the line when Tara is talking about got to talk about the she who should not be named and we should call her something like and then Buffy's like Ben and Tara's like okay <laughs> okay yeah Tara says I'm down with that let's just call she who will not be named another name let's just call her Buffy calls across the room Ben, ben! <laughs> there it is you pretty much had it yeah it's not a particularly clever wordage or anything like that I just thought it was perfectly well delivered for the fact that it's her. It's where the joke was. <laughs> yeah. They got it. it. They fucking nailed it. Definitely. And it lent well into Spike being jealous. Yeah. It really lended itself well to the big bad plot arc and to the arc of this current episode and the slightly lesser arc of shipping Spike and Buffy. Yeah. So, good good quote, I think. Definitely. That's fun. So, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, the number one way that you can do that is with an iTunes review. Uh, if you do that, we will read it on the air. And hey, when we get up to 75 reviews, we will draw for another hoodie. So, Give us a review and you can be in that. Yeah, you can be as popular as Cubby the Seal. Yeah. Wearing your new Beer with Buffy merchandise. Yes. For free. Uh, if you would like to support our show financially, you can do so a couple of ways. The main way is through Patreon. Just by giving us your money, which we would greatly appreciate. And you know, you'll be in the ranks of executive doodle-doos. If you'd like to exchange that money for goods and or services, though, you could do that at our store, beerwithbuffy.com slash shop. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us, beerwithbuffy at gmail.com, or give us a call via our voicemail at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you to JJ Treadway for our opening closing transition music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a great night. Keanu Speed, Rex. Rage be with you.
done why are we watching this 